Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Well, good evening again. Hey, Eddie, you make sure Barbara put that over where she sits. I'm sorry, I meant to hand that to her, but she hasn't seen her yet. Uh, it is amazing how a week, not at church, of course, I, those uh, cheesy church signs, uh, one W-E-E-K without uh, church makes one W-E-A-K, right? You ever seen this? But it's, it's really true. Now, I don't even talk about in a sense, in the spiritual sense, because I'm in the Word. I spent time. It's not, I love the fellowship of the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 25, when it, it urges us, don't forsake the assembling, there's so many reasons why. And as a matter of fact, tonight, we were going to be back in our typology, but the Lord laid this on my heart, this message this week. And I preached this text many, I don't even know how long ago it was. I don't even know what the context was. I know the scripture but God laid this on my heart, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28. If you have your Bibles and can turn there. Um, tonight, what I want to encourage you to recognize is every single day, and not only, it's from the moment you get up, and if you're like myself, maybe you get up once or twice a night, it's even at night. We have a choice of two pathways all the time. And I'm not even talking about heaven and hell. I'm talking about as a regenerate follower of Christ, we know we are on the road that leads to life, but I'm talking about a life that is a continual choice, and scripture we're going to see tonight is magnifies this principle. We have a blessings pathway, and we have a curses pathway. Well, wait a minute, Brother Jonathan. You know, as a Christian, hey, I'm, I'm naming and claiming it. Well, you can name it and claim it all you want, but if the life that you're living and the path you are taking is not one that can bring the blessings of God, I'm sorry, there are blessings, and Scripture shows explicitly tonight there's blessings and there's curses. Now you say, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Well, I'll tell you what, just for instance, think about King Saul. Do you think God's desire was to establish King Saul on the throne, and God then make him do what he did, and that's what God wanted to do? No, God's desire was that King Saul would have ruled with it. What did God tell him himself? You know, if you're faithful, what is he going to do? He's going to bless you exponentially. We see all through Scripture, what does God always do first? He tells you what will happen if you are faithful. Remember the Israelites going into the promised land. He promised, hey, I'll expand your territories. I'll, I'm paraphrasing. I, your, your cows won't uh, miscarry. I mean, it just goes through all. I mean, it's just literally, if you're reading through the Bible every year, you've read this. Time and time and time again, God will tell. He just blows in the stratosphere of what he will do if you're faithful. It'd be nice to just stop there, wouldn't it? But no, he has to do the other part. He has to do the other part, but if. If. You worship other gods. You take foreign wives, right? He goes into the ifs. If you choose and the reason that we know this is true is because of the issue that began in the Garden of Eden when God gave man free will. See, that's where these people that believe that everything is 
uh, divinely orchestrated that we're just basically going along on the path. The path has been set for us and we can't, I don't believe in that because if that was the case, there would have never been a tree in the Garden of Eden in the first place of knowledge of good and evil. Amen? God has given us free will and that's the, honestly, that's the hinge pin of, of oh, that's why I know that tonight what we're going to look at is truth because God gives us the same way with Samson. He had free will. He had free will to marry godly women that his parents had said from their own people that loved God, that honored God, that followed the Lord. But no, Samson was drawn away the same way with King David that night. By the way, when he, when he walked out on the palace roof, he would have never even seen Bathsheba if what? He'd been doing what he was supposed to. If he had walked through the pathway of blessing, and by the way, the pathway of blessing Scripture says there, when in the spring of the year when the kings go out to war, David wasn't with his men. David was a leader, and a man that was integrity and character would have been where he's supposed to be, and David would have been at war with his men, leading as God had called and commanded him to. But no, I think it was probably a little wintertime. David got a little lazy, got a little apathetic. Hey, guys, I'll catch up with you. You know, got to lose a few pounds or whatever the excuse would have been. You know, I'm just... just it's not in scripture right there. I'm just saying I know he did not go. He should have been there. We know that. But he chose not to. And therefore, David, when he walked out on that night onto the palace roof, he saw Bathsheba. And instead of doing what scripture says, take every thought captive to the will of Christ. God, this is not going to honor you. It's not going to glorify you. What am I thinking? No. Sin not only gave birth and ultimately it caused the death of their son that was conceived through that and also it caused the death of Uriah, her husband. So there's these choices that we make and there's ramifications we see play out in the life of David and play out in the life of Samson. It turns him over to bondage. Look at Korah and Korah's rebellion. Look at Ananias and Sapphira. We could literally just go on and on and on and on and on at these people that walk up, they have this choice of life, blessings, or curses. We know from Corinthians, when Corinthians speaks to taking part in the body of Christ in an unworthy manner, what does it say? Examine yourselves. Why? Because there's many of you weak, sick, and a number of you sleep. Blessings and curses. Amen? So we know that Scripture is, this is real, and I don't know why God laid this on my heart. This is what's awesome. God doesn't do anything for no reason. And I'm excited for that because I can promise you tonight if, if at the end of this you go, man, I need to hear that. You can't thank me. You can't thank me because I had nothing to do with it. I'm only doing what the Holy Spirit of God leads me to do. And I'm so thankful that, by the way, you might go, man, that hurt. Just remember this. You only had to hear it once. God whipped me with it days before as he was giving me whatever God had to share on me and you think it doesn't whip me? Hey, God's word whips me just like it does you sometimes. And sometimes God has to force me into a checkup from the neck up and all these different things. So be thankful that you only have to hear it once. And maybe sometimes you have to go home and listen to it again. I know that's happened before. Something spoke to somebody so powerfully or even convicted them so much so that they got in the word and had to hear it again, got, in, got online, dug into it. But I encourage you tonight to dig in every single time. I want to say this because it's so important. What we are able to do in just 30, 45 minutes is nothing in comparison to what the scriptures deserve for us to do. Hey, ex expositionary study, expositionary learning. 
Go and dig deeper in. Dig further in. You've got time. Spend some time. Spend time in God's word. It will not return void. And I'm so thankful that I know tonight beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything God's word promises to do will come to fruition. It will happen. And I know it will happen with you also. Hope you found Deuteronomy chapter 11. Again, we're going to look at verse 26 through 28. And if you're able physically tonight, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. Look, today I set before you a blessing and a curse. There will be a blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you today and a curse if you do not obey the commands of the Lord your God and you turn aside from the path that I command you today to follow by following other gods that you have not known. Father, thank you tonight again for your word. Lord, it's a privilege to be here. God, let us never take this privilege for granted, Father. And Lord, I pray that your spirit tonight would have full and free reign. We give you full and free reign. Hedge this building, this property with your protective angels. Purge anything that would not honor or glorify you. That you will be the sole focus of everything said and done. We commit it again in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. may be seated. Interesting that in the first, verse 26 again, look, today I set before you a blessing and a curse. And we'll stop with this. First thing, free will lays blessings or curses before us. Again, every day we wake up, blessings or curses. It's literally a choice that we have. We wake up every day, whether you realize when I say, you know, I'm just, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I've been working a whole lot, maybe you've been run to the, the limits of, of life right now, and you're going, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to put my mind in neutral, I'm not going to make any, I don't want blessings, curses, or anything, I just want to exist. Well, you are choosing not a good road, because there's no such thing as spiritual autopilot. Walking with Christ is something that can only occur with an overt act of our will, meaning we are rashly thinking, coherently focused on doing this this thing. We do not do it by happenstance. We don't do it just because we have positive thoughts. You know, Lord, I'm going to spend my day just having positive thoughts. You can do it all day long. And it's the same thing as Keith Green used to say about, hey, you can uh, go to McDonald's and believe you're a hamburger. It's not going to change into it. You are going to go and take captive the thoughts that are not conducive to Christ. Why? To the will of Christ. Every thought, take it captive to God's will. The ones from the enemy, you better take those thoughts not captive. You better get rid of them. You better expel them. What do I talk about the squatter and how the the enemy is like a squatter that squats on real estate that we've allowed to remain empty in our minds? Why? By not delighting ourselves in the Lord by not praying without ceasing, by not reading God's word. I don't know, God don't speak to me like he does my neighbors or this or that or my Sunday school teacher or my preacher. Wait a minute. What are you investing? Are you allowing God to speak to you? Well, I pray all the time and I get in my prayer closet and I wait for him to speak. Well, you ain't opening his word. Don't ask about God not speaking. If you're not reading his word, you will hear crickets. Matter of fact, you might not hear that. You might hear paddling, spiritual paddling. And by the way, that can get rather painful. But think about this. Free will lays blessings or curses before us every single day. 
We have a free, a clean slate in a sense. What is tomorrow going to be for you? I can't choose this for you. It's one of those things I really wish I could. Because <clears throat> what I would do every morning, I would will you to open your Bible every single day and make God number one. You'd get your coffee in the morning, you'd sit down, if you drink coffee, tea, or whatever it is, and you'd sit down at your kitchen table right after you get up, you'd open your Bible, and I would will you to obedience if I could do it. The problem is, I can't will you to love Jesus more than you love yourself or more than you love anything else. I can't will you to do anything that you don't want to do. As uh, one of, uh, I call it Longview's apostles said, hey, people are going to do what people want to do. They're going to do exactly what they want to do, and no matter what you or I want them to do, <clears throat> we can't change their will. So if someone doesn't have a passionate desire to fellowship with God's people, a.k.a. attend church, well, I'm going to guilt them into it. Oh, you just go right ahead. I bet that's going to really be a, a really fruitful experience. I can encourage them spiritually, but guilting someone to do what their passion for loving Jesus should compel them within their own self to do is going to have them literally contributing in a, a law of diminishing returns. It's not going to work well, is it? Because they're not doing it because they love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, are they? They're doing it because you've embarrassed them, shamed them, or made them feel bad because, listen, if you've shared the power of the gospel and said, hey, I'm, in, I'm, I'm discouraged because I, I'm scared for you and you've not been in fellowship and I'm worried about you. I'm worried about your walk with Christ. How are you and Jesus connecting? That's a different ballgame than, man, I can't believe I couldn't. What's wrong with you? Why don't you come to the church? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? That's not going to do anything, is it? Again, we can't put a will or desire in someone that should come from their love for Jesus Christ and the glory of fellowshipping in accordance with the command of Hebrews 10.25. It says, do not forsake the assembling as some are in the manner of doing, but what? Stir one another on to love and good deeds as we see the day approaching. We're here to encourage one another. We are here to encourage one another in the work, the work, the fellowship of believers. To what? Take part in the kingdom work bringing one another to spiritual maturity, challenging one another, encouraging one another, praying for, praying with. You know, when I went over and prayed with them today, I'm not going to mention the name because we're online, but prayed with that couple with their new little baby there. Hey, what are we doing? We are encouraging them in Christ and their new walk. And I, as a matter of fact, in the prayer, I said, this gift that God has entrusted with you for a short time. Oh, our kids, well, they're always our kids. No, they're not. They're God's. We have a short period of time that God allows us to shepherd them, and then those birds fly, we hope, right? They go on, and they become productive citizens that we pray are productive citizens, but number one, love the Lord their God with their heart, soul, mind, body, and strength also. That's what we are trying to achieve in raising them to love and serve Christ. When does it start? It starts at birth. Mama's the first picture of Jesus that a child will ever see. Sorry, dads. That's just the truth. It's the first picture of God that they will ever see of Christ, ever. They're the first. What are they seeing? But that's the picture. It's even with discipline. You know, uh, wishy-washy, one way, this way, that way. You know, oh, you know, I just don't want to be too hard. Listen, do that. And you know what you'll do? You'll show them a warped view of God. 
They won't ever know what it means when God's word says you do this or there are curses in store. Well, you know, Lord, God just it's okay. It's, it's a grace card and mercy. Whoa, 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 whoa. The scripture says do not turn God's grace into a license for morality. Not my word, God's word. It's not my word, it's God's word. So if you want to be wishy-washy in raising children in a discipline sense, you know what you'll do? You'll warp them. You'll warp them because they will have an inaccurate view of God. You will harm them in that respect. That's why it's important for us to show our children when they're young. Hey, there's a pathway, kids. You don't even have to say it. You do the right thing. There's good. There's blessings. There's blessings when you're obedient, when you follow the rules. Why? Because, hey, God has rules for mom and dad, too. And when mom and dad follow God's rules, they protect us. They actually give us the best life we could ever want. That's what God's blessing is. It's the best that God has for us. And these things are not walls that keep good things from reaching you. They are walls that prevent harm from reaching you. God lays out blessings and curses tomorrow morning when you wake up, even tonight when you go home. If you haven't read God's word, you'll make a choice before you go to sleep tonight. Am I going to get in God's word? Am I going to let dad talk to me? Am I going to let my father speak to me? Am I going to let him pour his thoughts out to me? Or are you going to go home and make one more excuse that you made this morning on why you couldn't read? And then tonight you'll make another one and go, well, tomorrow I'll start. We got tomorrow, turn to the next, the next, the next, the next. The next thing you know, oh, I can't read this. I'll wait till next year. You know what will happen? You'll never do anything for the kingdom work because it will always be the old proverbial thing inside the restaurant that says free crab legs tomorrow. Oh, great, I'm coming back tomorrow. Well, let's know it's tomorrow. And that's what happens spiritually. You engage in that same thing. It's like a hamster wheel, and you end up doing nothing, and you go nowhere fast. So my question to you tonight, hey, free will lays blessings and curses before us. What path tonight are you choosing? Because, again, it's an overt act of our will. Every single decision we make, and don't forget this, angels of light. And I say that because this is a real key part of this. Be really, really careful when you're walking with Christ and following Christ, and then something comes down the road that just looks too good to be true. You know, I see it a lot of times with single people who really get serious spiritual, and they're like, man, I'm in I'm fire for the Lord, and you start discipling them, and they're doing really well. And then next, hey, man, I met this, and when they say that first thing, I, my stomach, I get this overwhelming sense of wanting to vomit because I've heard it so many times, and I've seen this play out so many times. I know the pattern the enemy uses. He sends an angel of light. They're perfect. They are, I never could have imagined someone being so perfect. And oh, Lord help us. But see the danger. Oh, no, no, we just have, we have this, that. I've heard the stories over and over again. And within a few months, there's a mess. My thing about it is focus on the Lord. Delight yourself on the Lord. What I talk about, if God brings it, it's going to be right. When God brings something, when God does something, church, it's right. It's not like, oh, something's funny about this. When God opens a door, he opens it. So these blessings and these curses are distinct 
roads and doorways that we walk through and roads that we travel. And tonight I ask you, are you walking down? Are you riding on a road of blessing or through apathy, indifference, unconcerned, rebellion, which is what is the sin of divination, witchcraft? Or are you choosing tonight to reject that categorically and stay united in the blessings of God? And that only comes through obedience and staying within the framework of God's promise and God's call to us. Verse 27, so there will be a blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you today. So you got a blessing there, we know that, and this is the second thing I want to share with you tonight. God's blessings come only with obedience to his word. Keep that in mind. I've seen sometimes somebody fallen, um, fallen weak, stop reading, stop being faithful, and all of a sudden it's like these blessings come. And I've had someone literally tell me in my lifetime, man, God's just blessed me. And I stepped back, it literally was like a, 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 a breath straight from the enemy because I went, whoa, whoa. You're not in the word, you're not in fellowship, you're in complete rebellion, and you believe this is the blessings of God? How would we know that that's not the blessing of God? Anybody? God can't bless disobedience. So when you see someone who is in direct violation of God's word, direct violation in any sense, and there is this overwhelming blessings that have been poured out on disobedience, where is it coming from? The enemy. What does he want? He wants to capitalize on the disobedience, and he wants to take you farther down that road using the deceptive tactics of us believing that something of the enemy, oh, look what God's done for me. We only know that that's true when it is the fruit of obedience. You might go, listen, man, hey, there was just, uh, I was working over at this house, and I opened up the wall because the wall, they were having me build a new room on there. I, there was a million dollars in there. It wasn't their money. They didn't say nothing about it. I took it. Man, God has blessed me so well. Right? Wouldn't that be a blessing of God for the contractor? No. But how many times would you see the ability for you to compromise and convince yourself, wait a minute, I found it. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. They didn't know about it. There's nothing ethically wrong with that, is there? Yes, there is. It's not his. Now, if he tells the homeowners about it and they said, listen, you found this, we'll split it in half, or I want you to have it, you found it. Praise God. If that's found out of obedience and, and given to you out of obedience, then you know that the God blessed you. But if you do it the wrong way and believe that for a moment God's going to bless you in that, brothers and sisters, you've got another thing coming. It's not a blessing. God's blessings come, and you can, when you put only in here, really, I should have done it for Jeff, but in huge capital letters and double underlined. It comes only with obedience to his word. Because what is his word? His word, again, is the framework with which everything. By the way, don't go over your neighbor's house too much, because what? You wear it, you're welcome. Don't eat too much honey, you may vomit. Don't think it can happen? Get you, get you a big old quart of honey and eat the whole thing and find out what happens to you. You probably won't touch honey for a few years, if ever again. You know where you find that out? It's in Proverbs. By the way, Proverbs has a whole lot more wisdom literature. You know what it has a whole lot of wisdom on? 
Don't step outside of the boundaries of your relationship. Marriage. You know what happened? Pain. Hey, come on, my husband's gone off. He's not coming back. You got a bag full of money. He's going to, hey, come, <laughs> come on over. Come see me. Not knowing this will cost him his very life. Amen. So we have blessings and we have curses. It's a choice. And every day we make these choices. Well, it was a small one. There's no such thing as a small dam break. If you have a finger-sized hole in a dam, what do you have? You got a problem. Because you know what's going to happen? You think it's just going to stay that size? Mm -mm. Begins to undermine the whole thing. And ultimately what you have is what happened in 19, I think it was 72 or 73. There's actually a book about it called Dam Break in Georgia. It's where I was born, Tacoa Falls, Georgia. Tacoa Falls Bible College lost a number of their students. They were killed when the dam broke. And the book's called Dam Break in Georgia. It's the story about what happened. My father actually went to school at Tacoa Falls, but also taught at Tacoa Falls Bible College, which is the Bible college. But it killed a number of their students when the dam broke. And it was a big story. It was a national story then. If you ever want to read it, you feel free to do it. It's really a, a powerful story about God, how God used it. But it was a small issue in the dam that ultimately caused the dam to fail and killed a number of people. So God's blessings only come with obedience to his word. And what we realize is those dams in our life have got to be right. Now, because disobedience will dam up the what spring of God's blessing. You think about a dam that's not only got to hold back something, if you have something that water needs to be held back, you have a hydroelectric dam, those are producing water. You, you, all these things they do, they let some water out when they get too much water behind them. But see, the, I call this the stream of God's blessing. That is a continual thing. God, I thought about it the other day. Everything, every good and perfect thing. The other day it was freezing cold, and I'm sitting there going, God, I don't understand why this is a blessing right now. But it is in some respect or another. I guess I'll look at it from this perspective. It was really nice because the house was 72 degrees and it was zero outside. It felt really good. So that day I was looking at the sunshine I could see outside, but also the heat inside the house and the blessing of being able to be warm in spite of the frigid temperatures outside. Hey, made me more thankful again about the water being able to turn on water. We take this stuff for granted, but we have to realize that the blessings of God does only come with obedience to his word, his plans, his path for our life. We can't expect to ever grow into the person that God created us to be. Listen, created purpose, all of us have one. God created us to glorify, to honor, to serve him. We are an exemplification. We are a, a, a reflection of his glory. We are God's workmanship. He hand-formed us in our mother's womb. So I don't know if it gets any better than that. Amen? When I saw that little precious baby today, I literally said, this is a gift. This is God's gift. He made this. Blows my mind. It does. It absolutely, the concept of a birth of a child absolutely blows. It's just incredible. The handiwork of God. God forms every one of us together. In our, and by the way, our days have been ordained before the foundations of the world, before one of them comes to being. I don't understand it, amen? I do not understand it. I know that there's a day 
that one day I will and you will take our final breaths. And guess what? God already knows it right now. That's intense, isn't it? But God also knows these paths of blessing that we're going to take, that God himself is the one that every good and perfect gift from, comes from. The obedience to God's word is where that will come from, but disobedience to it. Why do you want pain? I don't want pain. I don't know about you. I don't like pain. I don't like the pain of not having water, much less the other pain of God breaking bad on me because I've not been acting. I've, I've been disobedient. I've been rebelling against his word and against the truth that he's called me to. I don't want anything to do with it. That's why I'd rather stay in a place of blessing and be consistent in raising the children in a consistent fashion because I know that those blessings will be imparted to them as they get a proper view of God, realizing that God doesn't change his mind. God is a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why I like consistency personally. That's why I like to go to bed at the same time. I like to get up at the same, I wanna be consistent. And I know that if I throw my schedule all over here and all over there, and I'm staying up late at night and, and sleeping in the morning, to me, I'm a wreck. I really am. And it happened many years ago when I really recognized the picture of God and the consistency of God when I'd come to Christ. I got extremely consistent. And I think it's important, though, for us. You set your Bible reading at the same time every day, and you back up your clock as far back as you've got to back it up. What happens if I'm tired? Do you think God's going to let you be tired if you got up to sacrifice your time to read his word? Answer that question. If I get up, man, God, I'll be so tired. You think God's going to penalize you for spending time with him? I think not, church. You'll be penalized for deciding to hit the snooze button or sleep late because you want more sleep. But I can promise you the blessings of sacrificing time to make sure you and dad have time together, you and God have time together, those blessings are unspeakable. Those are blessings, pathways of blessings that God will pour out like nothing else because God is jealous for us. He is. He's jealous for us. He has sacrificed his son for us. He deserves that time. He deserves that devotion. He deserves that affection. He deserves that praise. He's our king, our God our Lord. And then verse 28, we'll finish up. And a curse, if you do not obey the commands of the Lord your God and you turn aside from the path, I command you today by following other gods that you have not known. I think a lot of times when we read that, we think, oh yeah, I don't have, I don't have Moloch and I don't have an Asherah pole and, and you know, I don't have any of those. So I know what they're talking about. I wouldn't dare do that. I don't worship no other gods. And you got up this morning, right? You're getting ready to read your Bible, but you noticed your mail from last night. You had your retirement statement in it. And you got all excited about it because you're like, oh man, let's see what the stock, I said the stock market's been doing good. And you spent the next 30 minutes looking through your retirement. You know what you did? You sidelined God for a love of money. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't see it like that, but you don't have to see it like that. When you sacrifice for the Lord, you're going to make him number one no matter what. When you realize how important getting in God's word is, there's nothing that's going to take second stage. There's nothing going to play old saying second fiddle. He's going to be number one. And you're going to be willing to risk everything to make him number one because you realize if he's not number one, 
Everything in your life is out of balance, it's out of order, and it does not produce the abundant life that Jesus Christ desired. Well, Brother Jonathan, you sound like one of them health and wealth preachers talking about abundant lives. When I'm talking about the abundant life, I'm not even talking about health and wealth. God can keep us healthy, and God can keep you as wealthy as he wants you to. God's promise is to provide all your needs according to glorious riches in Christ. So to me, we're all millionaires if we never have financial wealth. We're so we're warped by our culture in the belief that God's blessing is expressed in all of this abundance. And as long as I've got money and cars and houses and all that, woo, praise God, look, he's blessed me. Oh, God forbid. God forbid if you're living hand to mouth. Actually, I think that's a better expression of God's blessing in my opinion. You know why? Because you experience what Elijah did in the wilderness, hand-to-mouth provision, being fed by the ravens, and there is no greater place for God to grow your faith anywhere else. I was on the phone with someone the last week that I think I'd shared a while ago that I talked to many years ago. This person's always had money, and I'd share with them how our reality is hand-to-mouth provision of God, and it's just a great comfort to me. And they were like, I don't know how you can stand that. I, I, if I don't have money in the bank, I start getting nervous. And I said, you, you don't understand what I'm talking about. There's nothing greater when you don't have it and you know if God doesn't provide it, you're done. And he every time comes through in supernatural ways like never and no one else could. And it just makes you just laugh when you see God, how he does. You just say, God, I just can't believe how faithful and good you are. And I told the person, I said, it actually makes me sad for you because apart from a huge life change, you're never going to be able to experience the blessing of what I'm talking about. Well, circumstances and situations have changed over the years. And I, I told them, I didn't prophetically pray this into being, but this person's had the experience about what I'm talking about. And I was talking to them last, I said, do you remember many years ago? They didn't remember the conversation. I said, well, this is the conversation. I told them the conversation. I said, but look what you're having to do now. You're now experiencing what I've talked about. And they said, well, I, I'm kind of uncomfortable living like this right now. I said, but trust me, in time, you won't be so uncomfortable. You'll actually find yourself liking being there because what it does, it promotes you being desperate for him. It makes you recognize when those gifts come, where they come from, and there's no tendency to go, but I did. You know what I mean? It's that easy human battle. Starts with P. Second letter's R. Third letter's I. Fourth D. Last E. Pride, self. Look, hey, I can't help it. And if you stay at that place like that, you realize that all of it's his. You realize the Job picture. Naked I came, naked I go. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Third and final thing I want to share with you tonight is this. Curses come when we reject God's standard of truth. Curses come when we reject God's standard of truth. Meaning, we walk down those pathways, we try to form God into an idol, right? Just because you don't have a fashioned idol in your living room that you're bowing down to doesn't mean that you can't have an idol. You know, I've met and counseled with so many people in my life that had their spouse as their idol. I've had to say in front of them, you better be really careful where you're at 
because God will take away anything that takes the rightful place of glory, honor, and service. Let me just warn you of that. What? If what I'm seeing right here is what it appears to be right now, God has no place right now because your spouse is your God. Don't make God remove one of you so that the other is then able to fall in love with him. Do it willingly. Do what I saw at a wedding two years ago, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Man gets up there. I would have been embarrassed, honestly, if I was the wife because what he said was so beautiful. He said, I, and first thing out of his mouth, I pledge to make to always love the Lord more than you. I was like, oh, whoa, get on down. First, first wedding I've ever cried at. He started, I mean, he just sat and, and powerfully poured out how the only way he could ever love her, the way that God intended him to love her, was for him to love, to honor, to glorify, and to serve the Lord first and foremost. And he vowed to her that he would do, it was profound. Beautiful. Most beautiful wedding I've ever seen in my lifetime with an incredible couple that loves the Lord and still serving the Lord two years later, big time, like nobody could ever imagine. Gorgeous, beautiful, just amazing. What he did was... He understood, he got it. He recognized. Yes, she's a gift, precious gift, a treasure. But there's something much more precious that actually, in reality, made his love for her look like hatred. By the way, that's what Scripture says. That's what our love for God should be, that our love for a spouse should really look like hatred. Think about that. The level with which we love our God makes us almost seem as though we hate the rest of us in our meaning. God's number one. He has to be. That is the pathway of blessing. That is the pathway that God blesses, not only just blesses, but blesses exponentially. When God is allowed to be first, foremost, preeminent, when we don't fall victim to idolatry in any sense of the word, I can't even tell you the number of times. I've heard it in my life so many times it's not even, well, I just got these tickets, man, this game or the that race. And, the, you know, and I remember one time, I'll never forget, it wasn't here. Pastor friend of mine, man, he said, I, my chairman of my deacons was not at church a number of times over the last three months. They bought season tickets to a certain sporting event. And they said, this is my chairman of my deacons, the man who is the leader and this man, they had like six or eight deacons. He said, it just breaks my heart that he doesn't recognize and does not even when I, when I said to him, I'm concerned about this, like it was, hey, I, I can't, we got this thing this year. It's just really a privilege to have these things. When we can so flippantly throw this thing that God's called us to do, this is sacred church. You know that? This is a sacred assembly. Y'all realize this? This is a privilege tonight, what we do. We're not here to see me. We're not here to see other. We're here to see him. We're here to corporately worship him. He died for us. 
He sent his son to die. He bore our sin shamefully. One who was without sin became sin. What a privilege. What an honor to think that because some special thing on TV, something out there, some idol that attracts our affections, oh, I'm not going to go tonight because, you know, this is really important. That's why it's hard for me to recognize. Are there times when you're tired and if we don't have a... Hey, I understand that. We all do. Busy week? Yeah, I understand that. But our hearts should desire to be a part of the fellowship of believers in the mandate of Hebrews 10.25, but also recognizing that the pathway of blessing comes from life of obedience, submission, honoring, glorifying. It's not, a, it's not excuses not to come, it's excuses to fellowship, to be a part of what God's doing. What an honor. We just have a few years left of toil. As Job says, in this what miserable life, the, the misery that we experience in life is going to give way to an eternal glory which far outweighs everything else. Imagine the radiant glory of Christ. The moment we breathe our dying breath, the eternal glory that is going to be unveiled to us I can't even begin to fathom how amazing and how awesome all the momentary tribulations and trials that we endure right now are going to be nothing, not even a memory anymore. Can you imagine? But also, can you imagine the horror for those that were fans that loved Christianity, that loved religion, Love them some church. Never love the Father. Never love the Son because they never knew him. What are you talking about, Brother Jonathan? I'll just leave it at this. Read Matthew chapter 7. Read it till you know every word of it is what I ask you to do. Because it will speak to the core issues of the heart and the deception with which our hearts get taken captive. The deception of religion. Whenever it's a thing of, oh man, I've never missed. Yeah, I don't miss Sunday. Why do you brag about that? Okay, that's wonderful you're there. And I want to be a part of what God's doing. I don't want to miss the fellowship of believers because I'm so thankful for what God's allowed me to be a part of. He's allowing us to imprint not only this body of Christ, but those that God has raised up in our sphere of influence. I went to a, the, a kitchen yesterday to, there was somebody who needed food. Went to the kitchen and the person said, hey, you a pastor? I don't know how in the world that, that just gets around. I don't, I don't say it, they say it. Hey, I want to come to your church. I've been watching you. Once again, that same statement. I've been watching you and I want to come to the church that you pastor. So, well, you'll just find out I'm just pretty real and raw. I won't, I won't lie to you. Um, I believe in verse by verse. But she said, I want the truth. And I can't make it to my church because it's so far out with work and the way her schedule works, but I want to come. 
See, God will go before you, church. Is God going before you? Is God opening those pathways of blessings because of your faithfulness and God going before you where you walk in and someone says, hey, something's different about you or this or that or whatever it is. And you sit there in awe and go, I didn't say, I've never said anything to them. But God's going, but it's what I say when you pray that God go before you. You've heard me say that. God go before us when we leave here. What is God doing when I talk about it in the invitation time? God transform the hearts. God speak to the hearts. Send someone to speak to their hearts. God prepare them. For what? For the divine appointment then that God has for us and them. That's what it's all about. It's all about carrying out God's will for our life. And God goes before you if you commit it to prayer. But if you're not in the word, you're not in fellowship, you're flippantly involved, whether you realize it or not, in idolatry. And it's a, oh gosh, this church again. Oh, another day. Brothers and sisters, I ask you to step back. If this is the consensus of the continual heart, I challenge you to step back and do an introspective, an introspective look. Why would I have no desire to be a part of the fellowship? Why would I have no desire to get together and proclaim? I don't care if the whole church was off base. I ain't going for the church. I'm going for him. I'm going to involve myself in relationships, but ultimately I'm going to worship him. It doesn't matter what everybody else wants to do. What matters is my heart and your heart. We can sit around all day long. I don't go to church no more because them hypocrites. There's room for one more, right? All of us, saved by the grace and mercy of Christ, every one of us is going to battle hypocrisy at times. What do we do? Take those thoughts captive to the will of Christ. Be conformed to the likeness of the Lord and grow in the nurture and the admonition. And as we grow in the steeple, we get smaller and he gets bigger. My question tonight, are you on the pathway of blessing? Or are you flirting with the pathway of curses? Because you know the truth is the scripture says that our blessings can be cursed. I don't want that. I pray tonight that you're on that path of blessing. And if you're not, I pray that God would get you there. But tonight, even if you're on that pathway of blessing, thank God that he is keeping you steadfast in your love for him, in your walk with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here tonight, Lord, and as your word speaks so profoundly, God, to the, the, the boundaries with which the blessing of you is found in. Thank you, Father, that you do give us such explicit boundaries. Thank you, Father, that those protections that we have bring about the most amazing life that we could ever envision having. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that uh, during this invitation, you would stir hearts that you've been stirring hearts. God, if there's ones that you've laid on our hearts that need to be prayed for tonight, situations that we've not thought about, Lord, maybe even the intentions of our hearts, God, that you have brought and laid bare tonight that during this invitation need to be dealt with. Father, have your way in this midst. Above all, if there's one here watching online that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, that you would stir their hearts, Lord, that they would recognize that they're a sinner in need of a Savior and how desperately tonight, Lord, the, the prayer of salvation, Lord, repenting of their sin, <laughs> placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and asking you to save them tonight. I pray this would be the day of salvation. God, go before us, Lord, tonight, even in our prayer, as we pray for those ones that you lay on our hearts. Begin to cultivate those soils, Lord, so that we would have an effective ministry. 
God, it is such perilous days, but you have a plan, you have a purpose, and may you be glorified. God, give this invitation, all of it to you. May your spirit, as your spirit only can move and work, we commit it to you and we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.